Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now, cue the music. Hey, welcome to the 73rd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we have my manager, Jacob Perlin, from Anonymous Content. Uh, Anonymous Content is an awesome company. We're going to talk a little bit about it, but uh, they manage some of the best directors in the world. They also produce some amazing things like Mr. Robot and The Revenant and uh, a bunch of other things. But um, we are here and we try to get into the nitty gritty of like finding out how to get a manager and why you need a manager and why you don't necessarily need a, need a manager. So it's really fun and I'm excited for people to listen to it. And also he talks about how you can contact him in our interview. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty open. Yeah. I, you know, I think management is always a thing that people are really curious about and really have a lot of anxiety about and it's also shrouded in mystery so we're trying to peel some of that back um, teach you how to get a manager when you need one and when the time is right and uh, Jacob's got a ton of really great insight on how to navigate those waters yeah is it okay if I just do a quick shout out to the making movies is hard guys because I have been listening to their podcast a lot and it's really fun and interesting to see kind of the Juxta the differences between filmmaking in San Francisco and LA. And today I listened to an episode where they talked about day rates and their day rates are just so much higher than ours. Oh, really? Yeah. Like on an industrial, they're like, oh yeah, a DP or like a camera operator would never make less than 800 bucks a day. Right, right. That is much higher. Yeah. They very often make less than that. Very, very often. Especially like on non-union shoots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, I've got a DP buddy who shoots with me all the time and he's a member of like a Facebook group that's like a big cinematography Facebook group and um, they'll get together at like conventions and things like that and he was saying that um, all of his buddies who live out of state make way more money than he does and they're all jealous of the stuff that he shoots. Well, yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's that's the trade-off. Like you're making a internal video for Google right. of talking heads. You're making a ton of money every day but you're not doing cool scripted stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but and they also said, and I think we've talked about this before, but in the Bay Area, their days are ten hours, and our days are twelve hours. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go shoot something out of state um, next week, and they're used to a ten hour day, and I'm just like, what? Like, you can't do anything what do you, in ten hours. Ten hours? Can you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So without further ado, let's uh, talk to Jacob Perlin. Okay, so we got Jacob Perlin here, who is uh, my manager. Um, and we are very excited to have you here. Thanks for making the schlep. He called it Please, Silver thank you for having me here. What did I call he it? He called it the Croatia of Los Angeles because he's, he's not used to having to parallel park. I mean, this, this street is really, I mean, the parking is terrible. We have a narrow street. I'm not going to lie about that. It's a, basically a, one way. I had a chicken fight with a with a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was about thirty seconds of staring about who was going to go in reverse, and uh, I won. But. I thought I thought you had a chicken fight with a chicken, actually, with Durazzo in the neighborhood. There, yeah, we uh, do have a lot of. There was no here. chickens, but that would make sense. What's up with your car? Why does it turn off every two seconds? It turns off every two seconds. Yeah, it, like turns itself off. Like every time I hit the brake, the car turns. Oh right, yeah, just it's like a you know, it's a gas. very forward thinking car. <laughs> it's very progressive. <laughs> it's a very progressive car. Um, cool. Well, anyway, so Jacob, uh, usually we would ask. We usually have directors on. We usually would ask them how they got into the business and how they got their first job and everything. But you're the first manager we've had on. Yeah, the very first. And I think Don't, people wow. are Don't dying to Larry. know. People are going to turn off the podcast right here. No, 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 they're so excited. Yeah, we had a producer on, Eben Kosbar, over the phone, and that was good. But it was only like 15 minutes, and we were still figuring out the podcast. Sure. But now that we have you, I'm just going to ask you every question that every one of our listeners wants to know. And I'm not going to waste too much time on your backstory. Great. Which I think will come out in your answers. Of course, yeah. Thrilled to be here. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm big fans of both of your work. Yeah, just so. d- don't tell us about yourself. Just tell us how to get work. Great. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. It's like, uh, who said, someone said that writers don't have fans. They just have people that want to have their jobs. Sure. That's right. So that's, I think with managers, we just, we just want to know all the secrets. So just to start us off, can you tell us what, so you're a manager in anonymous sure. content. Yep. Um, and nobody has figured out who they are yet, um, but I heard mm-hmm. that uh, they they aren't going to remain anonymous for too long. Um, so if, can you start off by telling us what a manager does? Hold on, An- anonymous content is a big deal, basically. Though, like um, you know, you're making jokes, but anonymous content did the Revenant most recently, yeah. right? True what, Detective, what, yeah, Mr. Robot, the Nick, Spotlight. Uh, Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind, Fancy Pants shit is what we're yeah. saying. And they also do. They have a production reasons company why. that also yeah. does commercials and produces film and TV. And they have a management side too. Um, yeah, it's a unique company, um, and I think the DNA of every management company is different. I think what's important about our company is that it started as a production company first, and then evolved into a management company. So I think that definitely. Um, sort of dictates why a lot of the managers do produce and a lot of people can be a manager and a producer. Um, I think that all the roles are changing drastically these days, but really the job of a manager is to work alongside a small group of clients and help them get towards their goal, right? So it's it's about making good content that begets getting good work that, met, that gets you business, right? So 
uh, it can be very difficult to navigate sort of all the opportunities or what's the right thing or how are we actually going to get you towards where you want to be as a creative talent. A manager's job is to really be that person that is closest to you to really make that happen. So, you know, sometimes you get a great offer, but it's not going to be the right thing that's going to propel your career forward. Your manager's job is to sort of be able to assess that. Sometimes it's to get over the finish line. Sometimes it's just to make the right relationship. So sometimes they have a little bit of the function of an agent, sometimes a little bit of the function of a lawyer, sometimes a therapist, sometimes a strategist. Uh, It's, you know, and each manager sort of has a different spin on it. I think I have, you know, I worked in the studio system for a long time. So I think my management style comes a lot out of being in the studio system, which is, you know, listening to people, hearing ideas, understanding why we say yes to something and no to something, and right. then sort of taking that, re-engineering it, and working with clients to say, here's how we're going to get this passed. Here's how, here's how we're going to get this through. Uh, and this this is the opportunity. This is why I see it. So I think that's sort of, again, there's not a strict definition of a manager in Hollywood. It's always gray. Um, but that's that's sort of my interpretation of it. Yeah. And would you say, what, what would you say the difference is between a manager and an agent? For a director specifically. Sure. Um, you know, an agent is really, is, is their sole job is to procure you work. That is the job of an agent, in my opinion. It is to, they are the hub of information. Their job is to be navigating all those opportunities. And uh, again, like managers aren't licensed in the state of California the way that agents and lawyers are. So they're really, it's, it's, it's the sales business, right? Um, again, I think they are a strategic, they're reading the scripts alongside you. Uh, they are just really involved and in charge of getting you that job, tracking all the jobs, making sure we have all the information. You know, they are the first stop and the hub of information. Your manager is really your funnel. So yes, is it sort of, uh, crazy that you need both those parts, but you absolutely do. You need someone that's chasing every opportunity and someone that's curating those opportunities so that you can really focus on being the best creative possible. Right. And are all your clients directors? I have a mix of clients. Um, So writers, directors, uh, management, at least at our company and most companies, is based into either talent or lit. Uh, If you're a talent manager, that means you're really focused on actors and actresses and casting and that whole sort of side of the business. Lit side is primarily focused on writers and directors. And we separate it like that, but we also attend each other's meetings because there's a lot of cross-pollination, right? So when you're putting a show together, um, you know the talent managers are gonna sit in a lit meeting because they wanna know what the new writers are developing, what a director wants, uh, what are people excited about. We're gonna sit in the casting meetings because we need that cast to get our shows made. So it's sort of a packaging opportunity. So you know, I sit in the lit meetings. I also, I run digital for our company. Um, and so it's all about looking to those forward thinking platforms and new models, a little bit of what is the future of VR and AR and anything that ends in R I like to work on. Um, so it's, again, you're, what's great about anonymous is you can really do a lot of different things, but the management specific side, um, is really focused on great work, right? I mean, that's, we we're, we're really looking, we're hunting for a great eye with a director, a great script with a writer, uh, a great reel for an actor and actress. Uh, and then again, you're bringing your own perspective and taste to whoever you're working with. Right. Yeah. I always think, I mean, I think of managers as a lot, like my thinking about them always evolves, but right now I think, how do you feel about it right now? Yeah. (laughs) I I think so my, I've said this on the podcast before, but my lawyer kind of like 
Steve Younger taught great, me how to think lawyer. of managers yeah. um, a while ago, which is he said, think of them as salespeople. Like you can't, if you just call them and say like, hey, I have an idea, call me back. Like that's not nearly as valuable as saying like, hey, here's a short I made and I have a feature script, att- you know, attached or. Right. You have to give them ammunition. Yeah. Right? So like you, that with a, you give your manager material and your manager Hopefully they like the material and can figure out where they where to um, like who else might like it and trying to make those connections and also just kind of being like an ears into the industry of like, hey, we know that Vimeo is looking for sci-fi female led projects right now. You got anything? So it's kind of I mean, you called it like the funnel, but I kind of think of it as like, here's the person that that I can bring stuff to, to mm-hmm. try to get made, you know, to connect with the people that would make it. And then, and he, and also a person that like hears about opportunities, uh, that can bring them to me and see if there's any. Yeah. I think, you know, if you really want to boil it down, then the two primary functions of a manager, I think what you're talking about is gathering information, right? So, uh, and so what you were saying, Matt, yeah, we're only as good as whatever you give us. Right. So, but if you had to say here, what are the two things that you're doing on a daily basis? It's really about being hype man and shield, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hype man until you have the job and shield once you get it. Sure, so sure. Um, right, right. it's there, way more fun being a shield, by the yeah. way. Hype man is really hard. Right, right. <laughs> I just, let's be honest here. So, um, but the hype man side is incredibly important and in sort of hearing what people are doing, getting, you know, in front of those opportunities very quickly, making sure I can articulate whatever, my client does in a very concise fashion because I don't have people for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so you have to not just be, you have to be a very articulate and quick hype man on what that person does and how they should impact this project and why they're better than anyone else for it. And then shield, you know, once you start to get into deal making. Right, right. That That's a whole other aspect that I, I usually don't worry about as much, right. but it's equally important, which is making sure that your clients are, are treated well. But in terms of like, I guess I think if I was a listener to our podcast and I sure. lived in Wyoming and I like was getting into filmmaking and moving to LA, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, I have to have a manager, and right. they think that that's more important than making stuff. But they, that's they don't the realize key, that's the key to their success, right? right. Instead of just or like being a part of a broader success story. Yeah, right. and and that is absolutely not the case, right? I think that everyone requires something different. Some people just have managers and have no agents and just have a manager and a lawyer, and that's fine. Some people just have a manager. Uh, Some people just have an agent. And it really depends on sort of where you are in your career and what you need at that moment. So, again, I think that, you know, if you are, for your Wyoming uh, listenership, I think there are a lot of uh, listeners outside of Los Angeles. I think that's kind of a niche for us as people who yeah. are thinking of moving or like sure. are dreaming of moving. So you were saying though about about being outside of Los Angeles. I would say for people that are out for that viewership that's outside of Los. I mean, again, it's like it's great to hear that you say like, "Oh, I need my manager." That's the first person I need. But I don't know how everyone thinks like that, right? I was with a another client last night who. Uh, said to me, he goes, everyone told me, all you need is your agent. You don't need a manager at all. And he goes, but you're the guy that gets me all the work. So, uh, which was a very kind compliment. But, you know, again, I think everyone has a little bit of a different perception. That's because everyone has such a different, I mean, again, you guys know this incredibly well as, you know, very bona fide directors, but how many different kinds of producers are there, right? Sure, right. It's like, there are actually many different 
style producers and actually like physical producers and line producers and uh, producers, producers, executive producers. Like there's just that, that, that is the like, most gray term. I think with managers, there's a bunch of different styles. I think what's really important is that you have a little bit of everybody in your team, right? I think you need, uh, you need that person that can sort of be the pacifier who can come in and say, hey, here's something great. Here's how we're going to figure this out. You need that person that has a little bit more bite. Because, you know, when you're trying to be at the top of that stack, which can be incredibly tough, it, sometimes you need that bite. You need someone else. As a manager, you have to have a little bit of both, right? I always say that Oren and I both need a bulldog, right? Yeah. Because, like, you you just said uh, you don't even pay attention to the negotiations. Yeah, we should work on that. Yeah, yeah. So, somebody <laughs> needs to, though. Well, that's, what you, that's what you're there for, yeah, right? Sure. Like, we were both like, oh, yeah, cool. It sounds like a really fun project. It, you know, we like making things, right? But, right. Um, you know, when you've got uh, a family to look after, like... You know, you have to pay attention to that stuff. And that's, I think, recognizing that that's part of the team that you need is, is kind of really what we're talking about, right? So learning uh, what you're good at and what maybe you're lacking and building a team that kind of can fill those holes is, is part of the whole way of really building a career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, well, I think for any director or actor, it's hard to come into a room and say like, well, I just directed this and I just did this and this had, I got this award and I had this thing had this many views and whatever, but your manager can say all those things for you that, so you don't have to look like a douche. Um, yeah, I would say that you are the, I think the thing you were talking about earlier is sort of a, there's a little bit of a, a night, there's a fantasy, right? Is that mm-hmm. once you get the manager, you sort of can go. Right. I'm done. That's, that's all I needed to do. <laughs> Got it. Nailed it. I've made my piece. It's with the manager. And I'll see you later. It's like, no, that is just, you know, chapter one. Now right? I can be an artiste. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, that is, is you know, even the people that I, at our company that win, you know, the biggest awards in, in film and television, right? That just starts a new chapter of their career. They need a totally new level of management. Uh, we see it all the time. So, again, it's definitely evolving. It's definitely a process. And... Once you get that person, um, it's really on the client to generate, especially now, right? I mean, more so than ever. It's like you've got to be generating all the time. Right. You know, I want to go back to something that Oren, you brought up um, about your manager liking something, right? Because I think that there's, there's a big difference between, you know, someone on your team, quote unquote, liking a thing that you've generated relative to like showing it to your friend and and whether you know how much of it is taste based how much of it is uh you understanding the marketplace and being enthused because you know that you can go out and sell that or that buyers are looking for this sort of thing walk us through what makes you like something that say orin pitched sure uh i would say that it starts with gut Mm -hmm. you have to start with things you like you can't it's very difficult in any profession to work on things you don't like. If you don't like the stuff that people make, then to work for them, be like when you're constantly, especially that hype part of the job being like, this is the best. If you don't really feel like that person Mm -hmm. is that good at what they do, it's incredibly difficult. And when they pitch you an idea, Mm -hmm. if someone pitches me something, I'm like, yes, that might be what uh, comedy central is. Like that's, that's what they're talking about. But if I can't see it, Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to open with that. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll declare that. I'll say, Hey, First, if, if I heard that Comedy Central wants that, I'm going to be like, that's great for that. But I'll be like, personally, that doesn't resonate with me or I don't see it. And then also, absolutely, you have to do market analysis, right? I mean, especially with the network TV process, which is a very 
interesting business. Every year it changes, right? I get, you know, I got that email today, right? Network mandates, right? Mm-hmm. What does each network want? They've sat down, they've had their meetings. Mm-hmm. All the network executives have come together. I used to work in the studio side. We used to do something very similar. And they've said that we think this is what we want. We want to do this because this has been working and this hasn't been working. And so that can be very frustrating for, you know, I had another set of writers, you know, they come out of a writer's room and they're amped up on this idea that they had eight months ago. And it's like eight months ago, that idea was great. And it's not that I didn't love that idea. I told you, and I still love that idea, but FYI, it's not as valuable in this marketplace. So you have to have sort of that, um, awareness. Right. Um, what was I going to say? I had some genius thing to say that I just forgot. Um, Oh, well, I I guess the other thing that I thought is kind of interesting is I think, look, you don't have to be best friends with your manager, but it's kind of important to get each other and to have a manager that like, I think appreciates you and you appreciate them. Speaks the same language. Yeah. So Jacob's my third manager and my, my first manager they like found me off like a viral video that I made during the writer's strike and they were great, but they, they were really pushing me to do all this work that I had like no interest in doing, like working with their, like basically videotaping their clients doing stand-up comedy bits, right? Even though they were a great company and a great, you know, we're making great things. I just felt like they didn't get me and they didn't get YouTube at all. Like that, that to them, that didn't matter. My next managers, these amazing managers at, they're also an anonymous, but they, they were really film and TV minded. And I think all my digital stuff was not really something that they had really cared about. So when they were pitching me, they would just pitch me off of, I think my one feature that I did. And I was like, are you, I have like a hundred million views on YouTube. I've did all this stuff and viral videos, but to them that wasn't like really a selling point at the time to pitch me on feature films. But when I met Jacob who, well, first of all, you, you worked at Paramount Mm -hmm. with insurgents, right? The, kind of indie film, yeah, indie genre insurge. film, insurge yeah. um, department. And then you also have now a lot, you're interested in the digital space, you care about the digital space, and I met you through a Go90 project. Right. Um, and so even though you do traditional film and TV and you have clients that do that too, you have an appreciation for if Matt goes and makes a show for you know YouTube Red and it's like the number one show, you... You, that, that, that has that's valuable to yeah. you yeah. in a way that maybe more traditional people, I, I, everything's changing in the last year or so, but even like two or three years ago, uh, there was still like this divide, like who cares how big you are on YouTube, you know? Um, and I think, so I think that's like another thing when you, when finding a manager, it's not just like whoever's willing to represent you, but someone that actually like appreciates what you do. Um, is a huge part of it. Even understands what you do is incredibly important, right? (laughs) Right. I think we all want to be understood. Right. Um, So you have to find that person. I think a lot of the clients I work with, and I actually represent companies now as well, they sort of, you know, reflect like sort of a similar view of where the business is and Mm -hmm. also probably taste. So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I think we, I mean, we met because I worked with, I was, I I represented some, some great writers Right. That were Simon looking for Simon and Aaron, who were looking for a director that was very specific, and you know, a friend of mine who's a, even a closer friend of yours recommended your stuff, and I was like, "This is great!" And I actually placed. Wait, who was that? The, Ken. It was Ken. Oh. That's how that's how I got introduced to your work. Oh, Ken from Maker. I was always under the impression that 
Simon and Aaron had seen like my Quiznos Burning Man video. Yeah. That a different director showed them that video. So Simon and Aaron were looking for directors, and I sent them a bunch of directors I used to work with at Paramount, and they were like, none of this is the, none of these were right. And so I reached out to Ken and said, hey, can you send me some great directors? And I had to read the scripts, and I watched your work, and I saw, he sent me a few links. And I was like, this, this is perfect. This is the guy. Yeah, this this is, guy. He yeah. has VFX experience, directing, comedy. I was like, there's, there's just no one else that can do this. And so then we sat down, we talked, and that's, that's how they saw it, was that. And then, oh, then I was like, him. we need to work together. And oh. then found you the job. Man, I like my version of the story so much better. <laughs> my version of the story is Simon and Aaron met with a director that showed them my video, my Burning Man video. <laughs> and they were like, and they had mentioned that to you. And you're like, oh, I think I, I think I know who that guy is. And then you connected us. I, is it but, is my is that version more magical for you? I mean, should we should we go with that version? Yeah, I or love was the I, idea. Or was I? Ma- I mean, I guess I was doing the job for you. Yeah, yeah. To me, this feels like the better version. No, really, don't you think it's funny if I'm like, uh, if you swoop if, in, if I go meet yeah. with an actress and she's like, yeah, you'll really like me. I'm an Aubrey Plaza type, and then I'm like, hmm, let's call Aubrey Plaza, <laughs> and then we get Aubrey Plaza. Sure. Isn't that a, a like? I don't know. I like that. So you thought that they were they were like <laughs> we need an Orrin Kaplan type. And <laughs> no, then no. I went after you. I thought that somebody else had showed them my work, and then they liked it. Was it was me. And it you, was me. That's yeah. the beauty of management. People yeah. don't even know what you're doing. Yeah, there you we're go. just you're doing like it behind the, the scenes. I touch it levers. all. I touch it all. Yeah, that's how we that's how we start working together. Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep telling my version of this. <laughs> yeah. No. I'll start telling yours too. Thanks. I can be easily. I can switch. Um, so let's say that again. Okay. So you can just scratch yeah, this so, part out. But so we were at <laughs> coffee and they saw your burning man video and that was it. They, they, they were in a coffee shop and they looked over at someone else's laptop and that person was laughing. Yeah. And they were like, <laughs> sir, what, the, <laughs> what, what are you watching? I have to know. And then that's, that's how it was it actually happened. on all the laptops, which is really <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah they yeah. look around and everyone is watching. You're like you're on the plane <laughs> and you walk up from the bathroom and everyone's watching the same movie. I will say, I do know uh, a producer um, <laughs> who uh, was, he was o- overheard an, a conversation between two brand executives about a video that I was working on. Like, and he was like just hoping that they weren't going to note it to death and how, uh, they were pretty excited about the video, but then he got excited about working with me because he overheard them on a plane. That's Which, amazing. It's yeah, pretty good. Cool. Yeah. And that it happens all the time. It's a lot of, I mean, you can speak to this, but I think, you know, as your third and final manager, which is really a treasure, <laughs> uh, but you also, you learn a few times for it. It's like, I think there's a certain, again, every client is different, but Orin and I don't talk every day. Right. That's, and that's, that's also normal for managers and clients and typically clients feel like they need to tell you everything that happens. Um, I find that clients I talk to pretty much like once a week, twice a week, something like that. If you're in the middle of something, when we're going for a job, we talk more often. Right. Um, but I think it's also important to create a certain balance with your representation. Sure. And when you're on a job, you're not talking to your representation much at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're sort of, you're working. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, everything's fine. 
Yeah, I think, well, so... I, I Do feel you like want to talk every day? We could talk every day if you want to talk every day. I, Jacob, I, it would really be better for me if you talked yeah, more a little more. Right. <laughs> um, no, but, but that does remind me, going back to my previous two managers, I don't think it was their fault for not getting me. It, that was also in the time where I thought what you said, Jacob, like, oh, I got the manager, now send me the jobs, you know? Um, and that's when Steve had that talk with me where I was like, why... Why aren't they? I told them I have like some interesting ideas and I want their help picking one and they never call me back. Um, and he's like, yeah, because that's not what their job is. Their job is to try to sell you and to you, and your job is to get them excited about selling you and make yourself sellable. It's this weird balance also where if you told us every time you were up for a job and didn't get it. You, that, that would be equally bad and good, right? Because it's like, oh, cool. Like, I'm up for this stuff. How exciting. Oh, they didn't want me, right? Like, yeah. So there's that push and pull back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. You want to, but you, at the same time, it's also just, you have to have a level of honesty with your clients. And I think there are certain, you know, Hollywood stereotypes about that people aren't. And I think it just depends on the manager, but it's like, right, right. it's way easier. I, with my clients, you know, sometimes you'll do this thing with agents and they'll be like, they'll call you. This is a classic Hollywood. I'm giving you the real inside yeah, edge yeah. For, the, for the podcast. That's all we want. But I do love is like, so again, you, a lot of people have teams, right? Most people have teams, some sort of combination of a lawyer, an agent, a manager, publicist, if you need it. They all charge different things, which we can go through if we need the nitty gritty details. But there's that thing when you have a work with an agent and they want to call you and not the client. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, what's going on here? And you yeah. call them and they go like, we, we read this. We didn't like it. <laughs> and they're like they were they're so sensitive about it, right? Yeah, they're yeah. so they've been they've been bit so hard. And I and you know, I just I'm always on that phone call. I'm like, okay, great. Like what did you not like about it? Like I'm gonna start typing and let's get the notes. And then I'll call the client and say, Great, we're gonna get on with your agent. They're gonna tell you the things they didn't like about the script. And I've never had any client who's been like, No, I don't wanna hear it. <laughs> it's like, no, they wanna hear it. It's everyone everyone that sure. works in this business to be successful, you get we all get so much, even managed, we all, we all get criticisms and thoughts and right. that, that's what makes you better. It's about being discerning and not taking every note. I mean, again, I'm sure you guys, you know. Yeah. And the feedback from, that's one of the, I think the dreams of every person in having a manager is getting that feedback um, because you're kind of the, you're the person that's going to try to help sell us. And if you are, have issues with the material, then obviously you're not going to do a good job selling it. So um, we just had our, our friend Kate Grady was on a few episodes ago, and she takes pitches at Adaptive. Mm-hmm. And she, she said one of the things they tell people that come into pitch is, give us the idea that your manager didn't like. Because sure. they're, they're trying to find stuff that is not like traditionally like marketable Hollywood stuff. That's really um, funny. So that, that's why your input is whenever you don't like an idea... I go and try to sell it to Adaptive. <laughs> um, well, so I think the real burning question that that everyone wants to know is, how do you find your clients? Uh, so typically, you over the years you cultivate a network of people, right? Um, that you meet through. It's again, it's 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 just um, it's relationship building. It's the non cheesy version of networking, right? Like I hate networking. I mean, I'm a manager. It's part of the job, but it's like going to a young Hollywood mixer. I mean like legit, <laughs> like, like anything but that, please. Yeah, 
right? Like I'm, I'm the first person to be like, I just want to, I want to go to the screening. I want to see the movie and then I want to go home. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm no different than you are. That being said, you have to be very proactive and have lunch and dinners and drinks and do podcasts and build relationships, right? Like we knew each other, Matt, you know, five years, five ago? years ago, because yeah, yeah. people probably said like, Hey, you guys are doing similar stuff or I think did someone we reached out Jasmine to Gigian? Yes. I think I saw Squaresville and I was like, this is very good. Oh, okay. And I was like, who did it? And she was like, Matt Enlow. So again, you know, number one is relationships, but that relationship pool, the, again, the only reason you sign somebody, how do you get signed by a manager? Make great stuff. That's it. If you make great stuff, then we will find you. The, the best advice I could give to anyone looking for representation is do not try and look for representation. Sure. Yeah. Look for making incredible things and let us find you. Our job is to find you. Right? So, so of your yeah. entire client list right now, is there one person on there that solicited you that said like, hey, check out my stuff. What do you think? The, like the email? I mean, I get those. I get about 15 of those emails a day and that has never worked. That's saying unless unless you're an alumnus of my college, <laughs> then really? I can't. Which college is that? Syracuse. Okay, so mm. right. Then I'll email say, Jacob oh. and say I'm an alum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am in the new house school at Syracuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, or they're like, I know your mom, and right, right. You know, those people. I what if someone said I'm Oren's friend and he suggested I get? In I do today. not take unsolicited submissions. So unless it comes through an appropriate channel or I seek it out, I will not look at it. Yeah. And how big is your client list right now? I have about 15 clients. And is that about the size? And one of those is a company. Okay. Is that about the size that you want to keep? Is that kind of an ideal Yeah. Again, I've only been in the representation game for just under two years. And I think I always want to be in that... 10 to 20 ish space, I think is plenty of clients. But as you advance your career, I think it's also, you know, again, like I said, like a big part of our company is producing, right? So if you're producing a ton and you're producing alongside clients, you can't have too many clients that you're still there day to day. So manager, especially these days is a much more, I don't know, I'm interested from you guys as, as directors, but I think the term manager has also changed a lot, right? I think the expectation of managers is, Management companies are much more bona fide production companies than ever before. So there's a certain level of, it's changing. It's a, it's the definition is changing. I think manager is also a little bit of a grayer term. Mm-hmm. So that's you know similar to the producing side. I think agents a little bit more. This is what you do. Yeah, I don't know little, what you guys think. a little little more deal oriented. I always feel like the big advantage of being a manager is a the the relationship is much closer, right? And then you you get to produce, right? So agents never get to do that stuff. Yeah. They're ne- like. They swing by, they say hello, they're on set a little bit, but like their day-to-day grind is really in like rolling calls and like making deals, right? Where like you get to like be on set, you get to give notes, you get to like, you know, get in the shit, as I like to say. Yeah. And, and that to me, um, when I, that, that unlocked my understanding of the difference between the two, basically. Because yeah. there is a lot of overlap, for sure. And again, I don't want to discourage any listener out there about sending material to representation. Yes, you, you should do it. We're... We may or may not look at that email, even if you're persistent. Sometimes you might look at it, and it's it's worth doing, but you just have to be realistic about it, right? It's not that approach isn't going to get you the work, right? right. The work is gonna, 
you know, sometimes again, it's like if you can get one of your videos on a popular uh, site, right? For right? Vimeo staff pick, or if you're in Sundance, or the amount of managers that cruise the Vimeo staff pick session. Also, like having clients that get those Vimeo staff picks, like it really helps. It really bolsters. Yeah. You know, because it's just it has it's like a it's like an emblem like, oh, yeah, this matters. Right. This yeah. is this is something of note. This is something we care about. Yeah. It's like an award or being in a really good film festival or something. Sure. OK. So our listeners can do nothing to get a manager aside from just make, a real, make <laughs> like if I'm a listener, just, just shoot it. Right. It's they still just the should make right. great stuff. They should try to go to good festivals and try to get people to get excited about it. And then they might meet managers and get repped. Yeah. Again, if if you're really good at what you do in this town, this is the best town to be in in the world. Mm-hmm. And I hear that directly from my bosses. That's how we all feel. And I work at like a you know very Matt. You pitched it, but I'm not going to pitch my own company. Fancy pants. Yeah. A fancy pants company. We're still looking for really good. Right. So on the flip side, yes, I don't take clients through sort of the, the unsolicited, hey, you know, I'm like, I'm the next best thing. You got to look at my website. It's like, no, that that's rarely going to work. Interesting ideas or articles or things like wherever it comes from. Like there's no, there's right. no uh, filter for that. Right. You're like in the IP game also. Yeah. IP, intellectual property game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the town is changing a lot, and you have to change with it. And so, uh, again, sort of, yes, I do think, and especially for people right now, I mean, this is this is the whole digital side of it, right? And I think this is really exciting for you guys specifically. It's like people like, like you said, just shoot it. Uh, you can't, right? There's right. not, a, there's not, it's, um, I'm actually sort of grateful that uh, I came out here 10 years ago. I think it's harder now. Because there's not, you can't make a lot of excuses as, oh, it was really expensive. I couldn't figure it out. It's like people have gotten signed off of things they shot on an iPhone because it was clever and interesting and had perspective. And so because of the, the awesome opportunities that we have with modern technology is great, but it's also there's, there's, a, there's less things to just be like, oh, I couldn't figure it out. Right, right. Let me just ask you two, one last question about this, just because I think it's probably most of our listeners that are not, don't have managers, want to just Am am I going to get a lot of emails? (laughs) No, because you told them not to. Matt and I will probably get (laughs) emails emails. saying, hey, can you introduce me? Yeah, what if? Yeah, yeah. Um, You should do, yeah. If if you're listening to this podcast and you think you have something great, just put in the subject line, just say, just shoot it, and and then I will look at it. And you'll send up a filter in your, in your mail. Um, yeah, let's see. This is let's the see. real way let's how, see. To, how to find out let's how many Let's see listeners what happens. I'm going to put five emails. I'm going to bet five emails in the next month. Okay. Say yeah. just shoot it. Next yeah. month, starting but, from when but this goes starting from when Here's the thing, yeah. is that if they're listening to this podcast, that now is part of my network. Yeah, fair it's enough. It's an actual yeah. connection to me versus a cold email from something I've never seen. If they said in the subject line... Just shoot it, X person. First line is it pulls me in, right? And I don't, I don't need a long biography. You know what I mean? Uh, I want two or three lines that quickly gets to the point that says, "This is the thing you want to watch. This is the thing you want to read. This is the thing you want to look at." By That's the, way, the format. Yeah, I, management one hundred and one. By the way, for those of you that are newer to town, is managers hate long emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, in agency culture in particular, actually, there's a power move in less is more, right? So, like, agents actively try to put uh, fewer <laughs> words than the previous email. Yes. <laughs> That's, like, a, a, a real thing. Also, in the world of hacking, which is very present, obviously, with HBO this week. Sure. People are, the emails get shorter and mm-hmm. shorter. Uh, yeah. That's actually a difference. You know, actually, as a manager, you can be a little bit more free with your email when you work at like studios and networks you are oh, right. you are every word you're really thinking about yeah that's when you're i just email my have, password everywhere this like, is my password that's what you should do. everyone that works at studios their email signature has like 800 words about how <laughs> it's like an nda just by you reading this or yeah, something. Right. um so uh so i was going to ask you so we heard how you met me and how you met matt but can you think of two other clients of yours you don't need to tell us who they are, but that have interesting stories of how you found them. Uh, again, so many interesting ways, right? Well, uh, how about Simon and Aaron? How did you get linked up with them? Simon and Aaron. So Simon and Aaron, I met uh, their agent, their fantastic agent at CAA, set them up on a general with me when I worked at Paramount. Oh. I loved their writing. When I went to Anonymous, I sent out a big email strategically, I put people, the writers that I really liked when I was at Paramount being like, hey, FYI, I'm a manager now. And you sort of get that email a few weeks later like, hey, what's going on? You know, and then we started talking. It was right place, right time. They were one of my first clients. Um, Cool. You know, I've... uh, And they had no connections to the industry, except for the fact that Simon's dad (laughs) created Laverne and Shirley and wrote Parenthood and wrote City Slickers. Zero connections. which is the greatest movie. And Boy, Aaron's wife was own. nominated so for an Oscar last year. So good. Nice. And, uh, you know, one of my clients, and actually a lot of the clients I represent, I was my first job was I was an intern on Conan O'Brien. And I worked with a guy who's now my client named Andrew Reimer. He's in a group, uh, he's a writing duo, directing duo, Andrew Reimer and Jeff Chan. They also do their stuff individually. And it doesn't uh, Andrew... Uh, He's part of like the next time on Lonnie. That's group, right. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I know Andrew. And that's yeah. actually the first show I ever fought for when I was at the oh, studio. I tried wait. to make that show that they ended up making with Maker yeah, yeah. because we had a deal and with Red, Red Hour. Hour at the time. Right. And so I was fighting for that show and I was meeting some of his friends and then we reconnected. I saw the guy that plays Lonnie when I got a haircut and I was like, hey, you're Lonnie, right? And he's like, uh, yeah. Alex Ampanger. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, oh I, so I watched yeah, the show. It's, but again, it was like full circle, like legitimately, you know. I have several clients now from someone that I was an intern with when I was, you know, 20 years old. Right, yeah. In New York City and bringing, you know, Lenny's sandwiches to uh, to Dan Gore, right. who now uh, is the showrunner of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Uh, I shadowed on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And nice. uh, that dude is so smart. Oh, like so ridiculous. Ridiculous. Funny. And, that's, and that's it. Like, again, it's like the funniest folks, they will... These people are in their jobs, the, the ones that are really, really good, that you talk about, that are so prolific, they're just really good, right? It's like, it's, there's nothing. Yeah, you're like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to be that guy. Yeah. You know, I want to be, you know, <laughs> these, like, again, I think a lot of the people that moved to this town, you know, we, because again, we, I didn't know I was going to be a manager. It wasn't sort of, sure, sure. you also fall into that opportunity. You're like, oh, this fits what I do. Did I answer your question? I forgot what you even asked. Yeah, no, I asked, I was tell us other stories. That, but yeah, you know? it's kind of all about building this network. And I met through a lawyer, uh, having drinks with a lawyer. Someone says, hey, I have this opportunity. And I'm like, oh, I love that. I want, I want That's something I love. Are they represented? No, you know what? I think they would really love it. Or 
like I said, like one person was through an intern. Uh, one person actually was a nanny for my kids that I met through my dad's best friend. Then they started on a show. And that is they great. just blew up. So that was one of my first clients. And uh, or writers, like I met people through the Sundance Labs, um, who have been you know just tremendous. And you just like, and that's like more of a filtered process. It's like, hey, if you're going through Sundance and the labs and you've been trained, it's like the person that comes out of that, you're like, oh, this is of a pedigree and, and something that you can feel you can really do something with. Or you start working with certain companies, right? So like again, like I do represent a few people from New Form just because we started doing a lot of that new form stuff together. You get a good rhythm with them. You start watching their work. You sort of start reaching out. You're like, oh, hey, here's something here. We should be doing that. Cool. Yeah. I have a slightly different question, actually, uh, that I've been itching to ask, right? Because you specialize in digital, right? You've got a lot of traditional talents, but like, and we talk about digital all the time. Sometimes we see it as like, there's a little bit of a stigma on it, right? And you're kind of like. Do you want to know how the agency labels digital these days? Yeah, I would love to. Idiots. Unconventional development. <laughs> no, mm. come on. Unconventional development. How do I feel about that? <laughs> to be honest with you, I feel great about it. Yeah, okay. I feel great about it because but that's where what does I it, like. Is that above unscripted or below unscripted? Way above. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. Digital is, digital is a big opportunity. Sure. So, again, TV and film, a good digital person, in my opinion, like yourselves and myself, who would associate with the term digital just means that we understand what that means. We understand what TV is. We want film. It's like, we want to do all of it and you can do all of it. Um, But yes, an agency would say it's unconventional development. Well, what do you think? I mean, I think that that reminded me of this other question of like, have you seen people transitioning from digital to traditional? All the time. Do you think? And I think more so the next phase is this, I mean, traditional, Again, the, the terms these days, are they're, they're deep, guys. I sit in a lot of these meetings. I do a sure. lot of these decks. But traditional and digital and the fusing of those two mentalities is what we're in right now. Right. And, and what we bet on, right? Like when you get it, we got into digital well before it was cool or lucrative, right? Um, because we like making things and we're betting on the future. And I guess really what I'm asking is, is how, what, are you see, what are the shifts that you're seeing in these meetings? The shift is that you can – there used to be a guidebook mm-hmm. to Hollywood. It was much more – I actually, when I moved here, if you want to be on my side and you're listening to this podcast, uh, there's a book called Assistance Guidebook to Hollywood. Sure, yeah. Did you guys read this? Yeah, it's great. I followed it. I followed it for sure. Besides yeah, yeah. the non – cheesy parts, but I, I wanted to be a, like that. The thank you note in that book is the best thank you note you can send. It's actually written in the book. I copied it when I got my first job at Universal. It was three lines, right? What are the lines? No, it's three lines minimum. I don't oh. remember exactly what they are, but like it was like that book. A lot of those things were true. There was much more of a formula to it. And it's a pretty fun read, right? Like, Super fun. But it yeah. was also like, hey, put in your time, be great, and you'll get right. a staff writing job. And like, it used <laughs> to be that way. Like, it right, really right. was um, the there was there a was, pathway. There was a there was more of a pathway, right? Like, I actually i I love a network development season because it's a season. It's like right. you know, when to now, take vacations. 
We know right. when to go. It's like, right. It's like things that sound really good in Hollywood when you're like, you think about it, it's like rolling development. It's like, well, that, that <laughs> doesn't, you know. It means we just work all the time, always. Yeah. Platform agnostic. It just means you don't have a home. <laughs> yeah. But we use that word all the time, right? It's like, oh, yeah, it's platform agnostic. We, uh, define platform agnostic. Platform agnostic just means that you don't have a platform. So right. when you're at a studio and they're trying to get you excited, I used to do this all the time. They're like, guys, it's like, Whatever's best for the content, we're platform agnostic. Right, right. So, so oftentimes that's like, oh, well, we've got, uh, you know, two episodes, but they're 11 minutes each. So it, it ends up in a 22 perfectly, and the arcs are such that you, they end up in 90 minutes, so you can sell it on DVD, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right? right. Like it's all bite sized for that Flexible reason. Flexible content. Mm, there you go. Right. Well, then Which like, is what? smart. Right? It's smart, but it's also hard because you're like. I think it's ba- a bad thing, ultimately. <laughs> I, yeah, how long are you supposed to deliver? You know. Well, I also just think that that if you write for an hour drama, it, it doesn't work in right. ten six minute chunks. You know, like I've I've done so many of those things where it's like twenty two three minute episodes, and we're going to package it as a feature also, and the feature is just horrible because is, we wrote three minute episodes. This is a really good note. So. If you're working on a web series or a digital show or a TV show or a feature, whatever it is, I don't the the word matters less to me than however it's supposed to meant to be told. But yes, sometimes when people will be like when you're when you're doing a pilot, right? Let's say you're a new writer director and you're directing something short and you're like, you know, I'm gonna do it in like five or six minutes chunks, but I'm gonna do six of them so it sews into a pilot. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, if you want to make something great, like in five or six minutes, make something great that's in five or six minutes. You want to do a half hour, and a half hour means it would actually be like 22 minutes, like whatever. Right. But then do that. Like do whatever. If, if it chops up into something else, great. But it's so hard making a great piece of content, even if it's 15 seconds long. Focus on making whatever you set out that runtime to be the best possible story for that. Right. Yeah, or even if you want to make like a half hour, a 22-minute pilot, and you only have enough money to shoot the cold open, but you've written the whole script, like if the cold open is like amazing, then go shoot that and shoot say, the and cold open. The don't shoot a sizzle for the entire episode. Yeah, don't try to yeah. shoot a trailer for your 22-minute right. pilot. Shoot the funniest scene. I don't, I'd yeah. rather see the funniest scene than the arc. Yeah, like a whiplash, like, you know, Napoleon Dynamite might be a little bit of a dated <laughs> reference, but there's like... Yeah, like we talk about Almanac. I mean, Project oh, right, Almanac. Right. I've showed you that thing several times. Like, yeah, Project seen? Almanac was sold basically greenlit off a short that the director made. That's oh, like yeah, this kind of right. perfect, perfect piece of. It's like these kids. It's shot in the style that Project Almanac is, is shot. It's these kids break into this house. Uh, they go into this kid's bedroom while he's sleeping in the middle of the night, and we see that the kid that's sleeping is one of the kids that broke into the house, and then that kid goes and draws like a black circle on his own neck on the back of his neck and as he's drawing it from the camera angle we see a black the circle, black circle yeah, ra- like appears on the back of his neck and that's that's the whole thing that was it and it's like you get the tone you get the friends you get the world you get the visual style and you get this the premise you know kind of the gimmick of the hook um and yeah so so i'm working on a short that does I'm, I'm that ready. but we talked about it it's a little about ten times more complicated. I got to simplify it a little bit. Um, well, so we've talked kind of about all the positive things of, of having a manager and being a manager. What's uh like? When do you part ways with a director? Like when do you 
realize that things aren't on gonna... podcasts. Uh, this is no. I thought this was a good way to do it, Oren. It's it's been great working with you. <laughs> well, thanks. The road has come to an end. No, but if it's been like a year and not, nothing's happened, or is there a, any sort of litmus test? I think you know. I've only parted ways since I've started with one client in two years, which I think is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's like nothing. Uh, and it's usually just because you sort of know, you know, it's like, it's either, and you know, I don't know if anyone knows when it happens, but you sort of, you sort of, it starts being like, this isn't working. Right. Yeah. We don't see this. You talk a lot, you talked a lot about being with a manager and being aligned and, uh, I don't want clients to be unhappy. Right. That's the last thing I want. It's like, uh, I try to work with people because I feel like I can help them. Right. That's why I do it. Uh, if it doesn't feel that way. And I think sometimes you have honest conversations with your clients um, where you're like, hey, we're not doing as good as we can do here. We have those conversations with all my clients right. where sometimes you're like, what are, we, what are we not doing here? Like, you know, I sat down with a client the other day and I said, I just, let's sit together f- for an hour and just talk because we're not getting you enough stuff and I need to know what's on your brain. He, we talked for about 35 minutes before he started telling me these ideas that he had with these people he's developing. I'm like, I didn't even know mm-hmm. that, like, again, like you said, it's not even just whatever you're making, but it's, it is important for you to talk with your manager because you'd be like, I know this person, whatever. And you're like, I just came from a meeting. They'll do whatever that guy wants to do. Let's connect this dot, right? right? Let's Because right. we are connectors, right? So, um, but yes, I think the negative side of management is that you know, it's 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 still hard, especially in the current marketplace, whether you're brand new or you're the biggest star, getting the right job in a noisy marketplace is really difficult. So and because we really do care about our clients or I care about my clients, like I want them to get the opportunities that they want. I can't pull every lever all the time. That's hard. That's frustrating. Right. Uh, you want to be able to do that. You want to get your or, you know, you're down to two people and it's like you're it's yours and you feel it and it feels right. good and you're waiting for that call for the offer and they're like we went with the other guy it's like ah oh, damn that stinks yeah, and then again you're the person to deliver that message it's not fun here's yeah. a here's a question what what are the literal things that uh you as a manager or managers in general can do what's in the arsenal right like if you know you're aware of a job that you want to get or you're you're looking to pitch somewhere um, is it as amorphous as just like, oh, I know these people or I don't, or how does it work? Yes, you start with people you know, depending on the manager, depending on the agent, depending on the style, mm-hmm. right? There are certain people that will just blast. Mm-hmm. They'll say, TV, cable, great. I will go to every cable person and do that. Um, I think that's a really tough strategy, mm-hmm. right? Is there any advantage for you being at anonymous as opposed to if you were just your own independent manager? Uh, the biggest advantage, <laughs> right? Because, again, the company has made amazing stuff. When you get to work with people that make incredible, like being a part of a collective that you respect everyone's taste and the town respects that taste, is it's an incredible advantage. But in terms of like finding work or connecting people, do you go to like a, a meeting, company-wide meeting, and they're like, oh, you know, there's this new company that's like looking for us to pitch things to them. Like, is being part of Anonymous helping you generate more leads? Again, so like right, I needed a contact today, yeah. you know, like in that way, right? It's like, okay, client says, hey, I want to go look for this thing. Someone sends me 
I don't know this person, send out one email to the listserv. Hey, anyone know this person? Four people send me the contact card in three seconds. And, and they say, and they say, when you call this person that you don't know yet, tell them I told you right, to call. Right, right, right. That's the that's the perfect. That's the pin. money. That's yeah. that's the best because then you're calling under someone's umbrella right. that they know and they know they rep that person. <clears throat> so it's not only like, hey, it's Jacob from Anonymous. It's Jacob from Anonymous. Right. And David the Cantor person told me to give you a call. Yeah, that's right. I love Cantor. I was just with him earlier. Yeah. And My there's an incentive to do that because you all have to reciprocate for each other. Right, like that's the business. It's 100%. the same way you, you find clients, right? It's it's that sort of network. I have to explain the digital marketplace and opportunity and what that is to a new client every single week. I don't mind doing that. That's me just giving to the grain bowl of the company. Right, right. And I will say, I was talking with Jacob and some other people about potentially shooting in Canada and needing a Canadian actor, and he offered up David Duchovny, who's an anonymous client. That's right. So that's right. He's in. He's in. <laughs> Just kidding. He's wow. not officially wow. in. But that is the type of thing where managers connecting very, the clients of the We're a team. company. We're absolutely yeah, a team. Together. There are 100% is that you want people to win in your company. We package stuff internally all the time. So... And just to come back to your point about strategy, and, and the first thing you have to figure out is where do you go? Right? Is it who's the right buyer? Because again, the process, like even for a TV show, it's like, do we, do we, and also as a producer too, do like, do we produce it? Are we the right producer? Right. That's um, something really interesting that you'll learn on my side of the fence is that as someone as a manager that also produces, uh, they're inverse skill sets. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So you have to figure out what you do, and I really, really try very hard to be like manager to my clients first because that's what that's what I signed up for right so when I work with my clients I really my my interest is managing now if I think that I'm the best person to produce it then I will put myself in front of it and say hey I'm I'm you should use me to produce this because I'm the best person to do it um, <clears throat> or the clients will say hey I really want you to produce this because you're great and I think you're the right demeanor or person for the show um, <clears throat> So, you know, that's the first thing you have to do is figure out where does it go. So, and then from there, it's like, who do you know? Again, if you work, the other thing too is that if you do work, like even with other managers, right? Like sometimes we'll, we'll go out with a film and I'll manage the director, they'll manage the actor and we'll get on the phone and we'll generate a list of like, we want to go to a producer, right? Makes sense to go to a producer here. (coughs) New people think of when they think of this kind of a feature and we'll make a list together and then we'll say, I'll go to these four, you'll go to those four and we share and we collaborate. So we, I even work with other managers and, uh, I, I like that management's actually a very, um, I'm going to use the word chivalrous, chivalrous profession in the entertainment industry. We do not take clients from other people, from other managers. There's no, there's no poaching in management, which is yeah, what it's called. That's like a big rule, right? Big rule. Big, big street code yeah, yeah. that you now know about managers. There's no stealing. Yeah. No so wonder if you're managed, no one's been trying to steal me. <laughs> they're trying. I'm not letting them. Um, shielding. I'm a shielding. No, yeah. Just like, but that's what's sort of fantastic about it, right? It's right. like there's a lot of talent, and you sort of get in, and sometimes you get the next biggest filmmaker in the Orin world. Or in Kaplan. Or in Kaplan, or sometimes you get things that don't land exactly the way you think, but that's okay because that's 
you're building a, a relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So my last question is very specific. Let's say I have a project that I think is great for Gunpowder and Sky or True TV or uh, a network. What What is the best thing, material that I would give you to pass on to them? It's not, uh, like, is it a script? Is it a treatment? Is it a deck? Is it a short? What's What do you find as the easiest thing for you to sell concepts through? A log line? If you are... If you are a writer, the best possible thing you can have is a script. Okay? That is the most lucrative piece of material that you can have. A great half hour or hour long script is the best thing you can have. Even if you want to pitch like a 10 by 10? A script is the best thing you can have. Now, Having that script and also having a treatment or a visual piece or a one-pager. I like one-pagers. I encourage my clients to create them on everything all the time because, like I said, we like short emails. We like short things. Um, What's so, on, what, what does the one-page entail? The one-page is really the nuts and bolts of the idea. Okay, And there's really only a few things you need to know about any show because, again, you guys have done several meetings, and as a former studio executive, we ask the same questions every single time, and they're very simple questions, and they're incredibly hard to answer. Sure, and they are, just okay. real quick. Yeah. So number one, so this is, I'm going to walk you through a general pitch, yeah, yeah, and a pitch and a one-pager are almost the same, okay? A one-pager are going to cut some of these things out, but the six things that you need to do is, I need the idea in a log line mm-hmm. first. Does it matter if it's one or three sentences? As long as it sounds good. Let's just say it's under two sentences. Okay. <laughs> Actually, in pitch structure, under is you have to open with why you're the, why, who are you and why are you in this room? Sure, sure. Okay. So that's yeah. pitch structure. Here's my personal That's the preamble. Yeah, let's yeah. say that's not one of the six. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's actually six, but let's try it. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm going to go for right. it. Number one is a log line of what is this idea? The and second do you, thing. Do you it, include in that log line whether it's an episodic or a feature or a. Uh, no, show. we should just, we should just, that's again, these are things that I wouldn't include in the document. I will create those things. Like I don't need to read. It's like, I've got the best, you know, half hour comedy you're ever going to, it's like, no, I'll, I'm going to tell, like, let me handle that. That doesn't need to be in the page. So the six things you're probably going to need is a log line, a synopsis, right? Which is the bona fide log line, which includes a lot of the, Hey, here's everything that's about to come. Right. right. And then here's my character. And then, so log line synopsis, and the synopsis is like a, a couple paragraphs. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say again. This is I, if I would. Let, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk you through a th- two to three pager, and then we'll talk about how we condense sure, it to one. Okay. Logline, synopsis, characters, pilot, season one arc. Where does the future seasons go? So no, epi- no sample episodes. That can be kind of in the. That arc can be things. in the arc. Yeah, that yeah. That can be in the arc, right? Yeah. Um, and you can also, in the synopsis, you can include tone. Tone's super important. But like really the six fundamentals of things that you probably want to be able to nail and communicate. And in a one-pager, right, it's like, well, you're going to have a modified version of the synopsis because you're going to start leading with all these things. It's like a one-pager is going to be four or five paragraphs. So you're going to have to weave in all of those things into like an overarching synopsis so you're you're beefing that up a little bit. Right. Um, the season one arc is in the synopsis. It's it's right. You might you might end with the tone. You might talk about you know 
uh, something again. I think I think knowing where something is start and sort of what direction is. How many times have you heard in a meeting like what is the episodic engine? You guys mm-hmm. ever heard that? Sure, one? Yeah. classic, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, because it's important. It's like what is driving this story? How does each episode work? Yeah, and yeah. and again, there are things that you get you fall deeply in love with it. You're passionate about. It. You're like this is the script. This is the best. You'll send it to like the best TV producer at your company, and they'll just be like. We, we know why you love this writing. I'm glad that I read this, but I don't know where this goes. And right. that just makes it a TV show I can't do. Right. And so I think what I think of as engine is what is pushing us to the next episode. I think what you were saying, Matt, is like what the format of an episode is, how each episode plays out. Yeah. Yeah. When I say an engine, I think of it like... Uh, Breaking Bad is maybe the easiest one. Like every single episode of Breaking Bad, the engine is always that Walter White is uh, trying to protect his family and everything he decides to do to protect his family makes things worse for him, complicates his problem. (coughs) Right. So like uh, in the world of creating crystal math. Right. Right. So like no matter that, that is a formula for literally every single episode of Breaking Bad from episode one all the way to the season finale. Right. But that's more... I guess to me that's like the theme kind of or the uh, the structure that we're playing with. But the engine is he's got to make this much money before he dies and he and he's going to go into the, the drug world to do it. Like the engine that's is the, like what's that's pushing the arc. us. Yeah, or, or like the stakes. And we really... If you're in comedy, right? Yeah. It, it, the, yeah, yeah. the engine's the game. Right, right, exactly. The same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So what, yeah. is, and what is the core thing that is holding this thing together, that is driving it forward, right? Which is, right, every... Right. I love Lucy. Every episode, like, Lucy does some zany plan to, like, deceive Ricky in some way, and it blows up in her face. That's that's the show always. Yeah. Right. Okay. She wants to be in the show. Um, I was going to say, though, I like to get tone up in my logline. I want, I want people to know what the show is going to feel like as early as possible, right? Because there's so many different ways to pitch something. And do you use other shows when you describe tone? I, I will, yeah, oftentimes, like, my logline will be, like, you know, kind of something premise right? And then I'll throw a little tag in of, like, you know, it's the uh, comedic point of view of South Park told in the voice of Flight of the Concords or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, you know, it's a... It's a Tell me more. It's that a written... Yeah, good. it sounds good, right? Yeah, it's yeah. not just pulled out yeah. of the air, right? Um, it's a version of This Meets That, but you... I like to be... What from this? Have you guys talked about This that? Meets That on this on the podcast before? I oh. mean, I've listened to a few, but I haven't really... No. I never... Yeah, not that much. So. Yeah. yeah, This Meets That is... That's, again, That's that's a great example of... Hollywood cliche is it has to be this meets this, but ab- like that's a, that's an absolute Hollywood truth. Yeah, and I, there's actually a reason for it, and it comes from film. Mm-hmm. And the reason that you have this meets that is because when you make a film, right? And I think it specifically comes from film, and now now TV as well. But the way that they the green light process of a film is based on what is this film the most like. Mm-hmm. And you have to deliver a comp chart whenever you are pitching a film. So it's like, hey, I love this film. Everyone agrees. You do the script. You have to send the president of the studio 10 films that are similar or adjacent to this film and how much they grossed at the box office. Mm -hmm. Because it has to 
have some sort of reference for people to understand what it is and say it's investment. So this means that while it drives every creator nuts because they're like, well, it's not like anyone. I'm, I'm me right. and I'm, it's original and it comes from my voice. This means that is how can I run a financial model behind that cool thing that you did? So that is actually, and again, it's, I think it's helpful in conveying tone as well, but it's, it's really, it's the financial side of us making your project and that's why we need it. Right. It's not just sort of like, oh, we're dense executives. We actually need a comp. One thing, I have one pitch note for everyone. Never walk into a room and say, this is like nothing you've ever seen before. <laughs> it, is, right. it is instant death. That's great. Because if you walk into a room and you go, it's like nothing you've ever seen before, you're like, great, I'm never going to be able to sell this to my boss. <laughs> yeah. Right. And people do it all the time. That's something like, really interesting we learned yeah. from Kate, which is like whoever you're pitching to needs to repitch your idea. So you need to communicate it in a simple and enough way. To I am an incredible, again, I'm, I'm a, I try to get, I, I'm, I consider myself a modest person. I am an incredible repitcher. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that is a, if someone said, what is one of your top three skill sets? Repitcher. Repitcher. That's funny because that's the reason I love a two-pager so much is because uh, I, I know that people don't read a ton, right? And I want to give them something easy that they can pass along to whomever, right? Like everybody's got time for a two-pager, you know? Mm. So like I think, or one, uh, sure. <laughs> Half page. One pager Half, can be two pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, resume can only be a page. Sure, sure. Yeah. One pager can be two pages. My, my one pager is two pages. My two pager is four pages, really. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so the, this meets that. I think the only time I get anxiety from it is if it's like Black Mirror meets Stranger Things. Right. You know, like I feel like, and that, that might be actually a good thing. If you get anxiety from how obvious your this meets that is, <laughs> And how many people must have just pitched that same thing that morning? Then it's probably not. A yeah, good don't idea. do that. That's correct. <laughs> if it if it smells like that and it stinks like that, and I think you're that's actually a good subtle note. You're like it's the comedic style of this. Like it doesn't have to be exact, right? And um, it's more specific, right? Like there's you know the paranoia of Black Mirror meets the adventure of Stranger Things is different than you know the. Uh, the anthology, the anthology aspect of, of Dark Mirror. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think in the one pager you don't have to put the comps. I think that's something you save for the room. Mm, interesting. Because I think that sometimes mm. because of what Oren is talking about, where it like, oh, it's like Stranger Things meets yeah. Black Mirror. It's like, yeah. oof. it's a little bit of shelf. It's like, too. and I've never heard of you before. This is right. going to be really tough. Right. right. Well, and so it, yeah. coming back to that, is there do attachments make a difference? Like, oh, and we have this actor attached. Always. Or this director, or this producer, or this yeah, but it's if it's a good attachment, right? <laughs> Not if it's an actor you've never heard of, and they have to play the lead. Yeah, then it might hurt you a little. But that's what we do, right? I, I again, I just like it sounds cliche, but the best thing you can do is make good stuff. That's it. It's the only job. The cool. more, the more you Easy. can churn and put it out and like it and push for it and be like, this is really great. Then our jobs are easy. Just shoot it, you guys. Well, we should probably wrap things up. Okay, we have Christopher, our editor here too, and one of our editors, and we have Matt. And Jacob said, if you email him with a te- with the subject line, just shoot it and your name. Just shoot it and your name. Then he will read it. 
He might I not may watch not the respond. video. If you send him a 17 minute video, he probably will not watch the whole thing. Real quick, are there things that they should not send you? Right, like manuscripts, things like that. Headshots. Like, <laughs> no, no, yeah, okay. He doesn't represent actors. Like, like, is there anything that they can do to uh, immediately keep you from reading an email? Okay, here's what I'm gonna say <clears throat> for the fo- for the folks that want to send me stuff. Right, if you if you're a writer, you have to send a script. But because I don't know who you are, send me your shortest script. So that I can get excited about it very quickly. That has a really good first page. <laughs> <laughs> so send me something really short. I, I'd rather read an essay from you that is your voice. Mm-hmm. Don't send me a 120-page feature that says, you, it's, just, it's not nice. Like, I have a lot of reading to do. I have many kids, <laughs> right? Don't do that. Um, send me something that's in your voice, right? Something that is, and attach that. Attach something that's in your voice. That's relatively low page count to just give me an ans- like give me an give me something to want more, and if you're a director, same thing. Send me something that is in your voice. That do not send me your feature that you made in college, right? right where your best friend was the gaffer and the DP. I, I'm I can't do anything with that. <laughs> sure. right. right? Send me the best thing you got and send me a taste of it. Right? It's not gonna. I'll never sign anybody off of like one thing that I see in a media, right? Like, and another thing, like with writers, right? Like sometimes I'll read an amazing script and I'm like, maybe if I read two amazing scripts from the same writing team or the same writer, I sign them. Yeah. Right. Oh, can I tell you, so Jacob sent me on a meeting this week for a, a go 90 project and I read the script, the pilot, and then I looked up the writer and she had this like hilarious Twitter feed and that was like kind of what sold me on it because I was like, yeah. this person is like really smart and really funny. And so it's like more the the additional thing, the personality, any of that stuff is always so helpful in like making you a complete person as opposed to like just one piece of work. Um, but yeah, if you don't have any of those things, just write, um, you are so lucky to have Orrin Kaplan as your client. That's right. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, and then sign love in your name. Um, Don't okay, love. cool. So, so, um, do you guys have a, do you have an email address for the podcast? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Just shoot can, it pod at gmail. So why don't you email that and will you guys send it to me? Is that okay? Yeah. But, but we are going to forward it without reading because right. Yeah. The, there's the no filter point. from us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's your new number, Christopher? 10. 10. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go to 15. I'm going to say seven. I'm going to stick. Yeah, I'm going to stick low. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't I don't mean to underestimate you guys. Yeah, yeah, this is where we'll move into unpaid endorsements. Oh, yes. Unpaid endorsements. Okay, so I'm going to endorse my wife is opening up a kid store. Oh, smart. Oh, so yeah, anyone yeah. that is listening to this podcast if and you want to buy a kid. wants to buy children, now we are in a month, uh, she's opening up a kid store in Sherman Oaks. Nice. called Sap and Honey. We're going to have an online business as well. So I'm going to spend my endorsements plugging my wife's brand new kid store. And is there a website? Sapandhoney.com? a website coming up in a month, sapandhoney.com. Kids, gifts, boutiques. It's going to be great. You know, clothing? When, people, when babies are born, clothing, clothing and gifts. You know what my, Zero to seven. my go-to uh, baby shower gift and my favorite, you guys should carry this. I think we got one for winter, I think. It's there. It's like a fortune cookie style little onesie. Oh, yes, that so, says what your future job is going to be. Yeah, it says what the kid's job is going to be, and oh, they're, they're, you buy them in bags, so you don't know what it is. So you open it up, and it's like bodybuilder or like. That's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. 
Yeah. I'm you guys should get that. You should. We're going to carry it. There we, we go. We, we were going to so many baby showers. We would keep a surplus of them. Yeah. Because it was like our go-to. It was like such a fun gift. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm plugging sapandhoney.com. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Sap and honey. Unpaid yeah. endorsement. Um, though, will you make any money off of it potentially? Yes. So it might be a paid endorsement. Hey, this is our, <laughs> our first paid endorsement. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, great. Matt, you got anything? Yeah, I've got two. Um, one is LA based. So uh, apologies if you don't live in Los Angeles. But do you guys know Animal Tracks? No. It's a um, an animal animal sanctuary out near Vasquez Rocks. I went for a birthday party. It's like 25 bucks, and you have like a guided tour where all of these docents bring out all of these different animals that they've rescued. Um, and like, you know, there's everything from like possums to scorpions to like, I held like a python, like a, wow. like a giant python, hedgehogs, armadillos. At the end, you feed a baboon whose name is Chrissy, which is also the name of my wife. <laughs> um, and you get to feed them, you get to pet them. You know, some you don't get to pet all of them, but like you see a ton of different animals. It's really cool. It's really fun. It's for a good cause. Um, and your Instagram just is so dope that day. It's on point. Oh, right. It's like so good. Yeah, it's so, so worth it. Animal tracks, really kids? great. Can I take kids there? Uh, they have to be older than five. Okay. More, oh, really? more because of attention span, because yeah. it's about two and a half hours. Wow! So it's like a long time. And even though they're they're bringing out animals all the time, you know, you can only see so many alligators and stuff yeah. before you're like over it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really great. And the kids that were there on the uh, tour had a blast. It was like yeah. really, really cool. And the the tours are pretty small too. I think. We were their biggest one of the day because it was a birthday party. But like normally it's like a group of 15, you know, just kind of standing there around like, you know, a a college kid talking to you about how cool tarantulas are. It's pretty awesome. And do you feel like they treat the animals humanely? Super well. Yeah. That's the point of the place, actually. So your donation is going towards helping those animals. They're like a rehab center. So like, you know, someone buys an exotic animal on the black market and then um, the feds find out about it and have to confiscate them or they have to rescue them for whatever reason. This is one of the sanctioned places where those animals can live out the rest of their lives safely, basically. Yeah, cool. So it's really it's really cool. Because I was in the Everglades once and we went to one of these things where they bring out all these baby alligators and different alligators and do things to them. And I did not feel like it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. humane at all. Yeah. They're like wrestling alligators or like some guy was just like showing you how, you know. It's like putting the head in the lion's mouth type yeah, yeah. of tricks, and I was like, "This is the." I feel weird that. about that. Yeah, you had two. Oh, right? I had two. Oh. Um, one I was telling Oren about last time we recorded, uh, called "Bump the Lamp" on um, the Who Framed Roger oh, Rabbit. Right. I like Oren came over to record <laughs> last week, and I was like jacked up on how excited I was about this uh, about this video. So we'll share it in the show notes. But it's just about why Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the best mixed animation live action movie of all time. And the craftsmanship that they put into that movie is like next level. And you'll learn what bump the lamp means if you watch it. Yeah. It's worth the surprise. Um, cool. I'm just going to do a really short one this time, which is uh, if you ever send a link to a Google Doc to someone that can edit it, make sure you make a copy of it before you send it. Because <laughs> my wife just did all this brainstorming and wrote a million ideas that she was sharing with a friend. She sent it to her and the friend was going to pitch some of these ideas and friend deleted everything but the idea she wanted to pitch and now they're gone forever no 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 you can go into track changes and go back and see all of the different versions well so my endorsement is uh if that ever happens to you 
Yeah. <laughs> go under track changes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, for, for the sure. entire can, life of the for document? the entire life of every single Google Doc, you can see the date and time that each change was made and revert back to that. No problem. Oh my goodness! Can I was wondering. Another, can I make why? another endorsement? Yeah, sure. I'm gonna do a content endorsement. Yeah, man. So there's a video uh, that won. So Can Lions or Con Lions uh, is the biggest ad festival each year that happens after Con. And the for the first time in a long time, a music video won, which is a big rift in the mm-hmm. branded marketplace. And there's a, the video that won, the unanimous vote is called, it's, it's actually represented by a sister company of Namas or affiliate of Namas called Iconoclast. And it's called The Blaze. And the film is called Territory by The Blaze. Mm-hmm. And I, it's one of those things that the first time I saw it, I didn't understand it. And then I, I was in a trance by it. And I have watched this film, I've watched this short, like, legitimately. I can't remember the last time I watched a short, like, ten times in a row. Yeah. And I absolutely did it with this, because it is so interesting. The, the, these, they're, they're a music group, and they do music, and they do, uh, and they're directors, so it's sort of the combination. But there's so much emotion in this video. Um, so for listeners out there that want to watch a really interesting piece of content, I think people are bubbling about, but people might, people might not talk about it in a great way. The blaze territory. Sweet. And just look it up on Vimeo or something. Just look, just go to YouTube, check it out. It's right up there. And it won it, it, it like legitimately in the, in it, everything gets reviewed, everything. It's like top, top honor. And this video, and I just, I wanted to understand it. I wanted to understand what this thing was. And I was actually, I was taken by it. So I'm going to recommend you guys check it out. Awesome. Cool. And we'll definitely do that. There you go. Since we have Christopher here, Christopher, you want to endorse anything? <laughs> Tradition. If the editor's here, you got to endorse, man. Okay. I'm going to endorse something that my daughters are involved in. It's called Ink Theater. And it, the creative director is our friend Rachel Kaiser. And she's developed this model of working with kids where they produce plays from start to finish on their own. They are writing the script, creating characters, doing the props, doing That's the costumes. Cool. Yes. And it is really neat. My, my daughters have done like three shows with her and they're do, getting geared up to do another one this fall and they How love old? it. Uh, I think she does it like ages <clears throat> like eight to 12 or something like that. It's, it's pretty incredible the fact that they get anything done. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. So Ink yeah. Theater. Yeah. Ink Theater. And where? I-N-K. They they rehearse in West Hollywood, and then what's the parking situation? Sh- <laughs> That's a great question. It's it's not Croatia. It's yeah. it's a grid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm so honored to give an unpaid endorsement. Yeah, man. And I definitely don't get paid from that. One. Well, it's also like I get, maybe I'm just making my own liberal interpretation. It's also just like things you like, right? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's pretty much like uh, the same segment that they have on script notes called uh, uh, one cool thing. One cool thing, and we just had to rename but it. The Slate podcasts do it as well. They'll do um, coffee Slate. chat or cocktail uh, chatter or something. What are you going to be talking about at this co- at your or, next cocktail party? Or no, no, no. On the Culture Gap Fest, I think they call it just endorsements. Actually. Oh really? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a trope. It's a thing. It's part of yeah. the format of podcasts is mm-hmm. recommending something at the end. What I think I feel like our podcast specifically is like a tip. Like you know, we have we have a lot of tips, so I think it it fits well, <coughs> especially since 
we're like always amazed by new things we find every week and we just want to tell people about them. Hopefully I was able to give some yeah, interesting feedback. No, it was, it was, it was awesome. Pleasure. Well, if people want to find out more about you, Jacob, uh, do you tweet or anything like that? Or are you a ghost? Management, it's a different deal. A ghost. That. Yeah, you're a ghost. Okay. Well, if you want to um, say something to Jacob, you can just email uh, justshootitpod at gmail.com and we'll forward it along to him. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at justshootitpod or me at Mr. Matt Edmo. Or me at Smitey Pileg. Uh, and if you can rate us and review us on iTunes, we would love that. We will read the reviews out loud on this podcast. Uh, and this episode was edited by Christopher Robert Gray. And the music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See you in the movies. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.